Hello and welcome to episode two of season two of the Simple Faith Podcast. My name is Dave Betts and normally I'm here with my wife Sharia and we love to tackle authentic Christianity for normal people. In other words, we're trying to talk about the things of our faith without the unnecessarily churchy or intellectual academic words. Well, Sharia is on maternity leave at the moment, as I mentioned last week. But I'm very excited to have Jorin Green, who is the lead pastor at Erindale Alliance Church in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, which fun story. I used to think Saskatoon and Saskatchewan were just the same places and Saskatoon was spelt. Uh, it was just a really poor spelling of Saskatchewan. But there you go. That's a fun fact for you. Jorin is the former professor at Miller College of the Bible. He was my teacher when I was at Bible school and he was also my guitar student. So Jorin, welcome to the Simple Faith Podcast. Thank you, David. So, you know, was I the best guitar teacher you've ever had? How honest do you want me to be? <laughs> you could be very Actually, honest. I really enjoyed taking lessons with you. I, I did take lessons uh, from another professional guitarist, very similar to you. Your approaches were night and day different, but I really enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed working together. Now and again, you go, well, just do this. And I'd watch your fingers and all I could think is, my hand doesn't work the way your hand does. That's just not fair. <laughs> well, so. I was blatantly fishing for a compliment there, but the the thing that was weird about our <laughs> relationship together was that uh, we would have a class where Joran would teach me, and then we'd go into the rehearsal space where I would teach Joran, and it was this weird mm -hmm. like student teacher student teacher relationship. <laughs> but we did get to be in a worship team together and got to do a lot of kilometers, did. didn't we? Which was very good. Yeah, we traveled all over British Columbia. Uh, I, we, we were in quite a few churches together, I think, over those couple of years. Yeah, it was a really, really cool experience. Funnily enough, actually, Chris Williams, who was our guest on last week's show, he was actually the drummer <laughs> in the band. So that's, a, that's yeah. a complete coincidence. I totally hadn't thought about that. But there you go. You can see how these connections work. Well, Jorin, today we are talking about the image of God. It's a lesson that you taught me. It's a class that you taught me was uh, part of our theology class was all about the image of God. And today I'm hoping that you can help us understand what it means to be made in the image of God. And then we'll kind of talk about some of the differing views. And then uh, really, yeah, what do we do with the information? What do we do with that information? Mm -hmm. So maybe we'll just kick off. Jorin, what does it mean to be made in the image of God, broadly speaking? Broadly speaking, it, it's what separates us from the rest of creation. Uh, when you'd emailed me, I, I was kind of thinking about this and going back to some of our theology classes. And it's interesting because if we go to Genesis 1, there's this reference made that we're made in the image of God, male and female, he created them in the image so that somehow there's something that together we as men and women are the image bearers. If we jump a little later in Genesis, uh, God says, do not murder because you bear the image of God. And the interesting piece is it's never actually clearly spelled out. Nowhere in scripture can we go, here's the verse that says, this is what the image is. We're told we're in the image of God. We're assuming the image, but we don't have a really good idea what it is. We just know it's there and it's really, really important. Yeah. Yeah. That's the key thing, isn't it? Being made in the image of God mm -hmm. is really, really important. I, I saw this quote from Wayne Gruden. Wayne Gruden wrote, uh, a systematic theology that is probably one of the most used systematic theologies in contemporary Christianity at the moment. And he, uh, mm -hmm. he says this, 
If we ever deny our unique status in creation as God's only image bearers, as you mentioned, Joran, we will soon begin to depreciate the value of human life. Uh, We'll tend to see humans as merely a higher form of animal and we'll begin to treat others as such. And that's really key. We're going to talk about that Mm -hmm. in uh, subsequent weeks when we talk about uh, suffering. We're going to be talking about suffering for the next two weeks. And also, uh, last week, as we talked about power, uh, one of the things I think we forgot to talk about was how actually abuses of power fundamentally happen in the church when we forget that people are made in the image of God, when we forget our status as being made in the image of God. And so we wanted to recognize that. That was something that in that book, Redeeming Power by Diane Langberg, that she really she really talked about and drilled home. It was a very helpful thing. And that's what kind of sparked this need to talk about the image of God. We thought, actually, this is a huge concept. And it is a confusing one. It's one that, that like you say, Joran, mm-hmm. we don't know the answers to, but there are some differing views, aren't there, on what the image of God is. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there are a couple of major schools. So what was interesting, I've been a staff member at a couple of campuses. We didn't even always agree among faculty what the image was. If we're going to try and nail it down to any one thing, we would wind up with the range of opinion, even among ourselves. But your observation, I mean, it's completely correct. If we don't understand, if we don't try and understand it, if we don't recognize that we are somehow created differently, it really throws a lot of things into disorder. Mm. And I don't know if you've ever considered or we consider for a later broadcast even what's our response to nature. The image of God has profound things to say about nature. It's the powers you've identified, um, how I love people in the church. But interestingly, well, what is the image? Let's maybe drill down a little bit on some of those ideas and recognize that it's not there it's not black and white. There's a there's there's a whole lot of gray in here. We can talk about some of the different views and we're not going to prescribe a view of what the image of God is. I might ask Joran to try and articulate what he thinks if you're willing to, if you're comfortable <laughs> to, but sure. I'm certainly not going to because I'm not comfortable to in this kind of area. But uh, based on, again, on Grudem's systematic theology, he uses three different terms that, again, are quite churchy. The, there's yeah. the substantive view, the relational view and the functional view. So uh, I what I wanted to propose, and I mentioned to Joran before we recorded this show, is that we call this displaying the image of God in our attributes, in our associations, and in our actions. So, you know, let's talk about the substantive view, relational view, and functional view, or in other words, our attributes, our associations, and our actions. And you can tell me why my terminology doesn't quite line up perfectly, and and what really those different views are. If that's okay, can we can we talk about that? Yeah. So, so what's sure. the substantive view? The substantive, and you call it the attribute view, and it's interesting. Everybody argues over all of these categories. Uh, there has been a lot written. People don't agree, and sometimes you look at what they argue, and it's like, do we really even need to talk this or think this, or do we need to argue this? There are some good reasons for it, but with the attribute, it's the idea that there's something in how we're made physically or psychologically, emotionally, something in our body that is the image of God. Uh, You'll get some who say that God has 10 fingers and 10 toes and a nose 
and ears and eyes because we do because that's the image of God. And and that's a very, very uh, literal kind of physical. They really key on that. Most say, no, God doesn't have a physical body, but it's something else that he put into us. Uh, one of the things long, long thought is it's our ability to think. Mm. And that it's our, our logic, it's our, our reason, it's our ability to ask questions and answer questions and, and think about problems. And it's somehow something that God built into us that we can point to and define and say, that is the image of God and, and this piece. It's, so, mm-hmm. you know, with, with attributes, sometimes people think, well, if it's something God put in us, we should be able to cut into somebody with, as a surgeon and, and pull out the, this is the image of God piece. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and actually, some some theologians that sometimes have kind of joked about that, but uh, it's something just simply how we're made. Hmm. That's really interesting. Actually, you've kind of sparked an idea in my head. You know, I, I've been going through yeah. Colossians in our church recently. And so if you're listening to this podcast mm-hmm. regularly at the moment, you'll hear me talking about Colossians a lot because it's on my brain. But okay. In Colossians 1, it says, you know, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And mm-hmm. one of the one of the reflections on that is, we've fallen haven't we so what is the result of the fall on the image of god because we have been made in the image of god and yet we've fallen jesus is the image of the invisible god and you might think wow that's that's cool that jesus is the image of the invisible god and so are we but like is there's a difference there you know we don't have this you know we're sinful we don't have you know those what we would call like incommunicable attributes of god you know we're not those he's his all-knowingness or his all-powerfulness or his ability to be outside of time and places or his unchangeableness or his sovereignty so like although we're made in the image of god we're not made in the image of god in the same way that jesus is are we there's a there's a difference so there's a it, it, when we get to that substantive view that attribute view you realize that how can we be made exactly in the image of god because we're missing something right Mm-hmm. And that language of Colossians is the really takes you to a different place to realize that Jesus is fully God while being fully man. And that's not something that we participate in. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul says something really interesting. First Corinthians, when he's talking about the love passage and he talks about uh, seeing a bad reflection or a Sorry, dim Jerry, reflection. Can you just tell us about the love passage? Because for some people listening, they might not know what you're talking about there. First Corinthians 13. Uh, Paul goes on to this lengthy discussion of what does true love look like? Uh, love is patient. Love is kind. It is gentle. It, it does not boast. It keeps no records of wrong. So it's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You've probably heard it at a wedding, right? That's- it, typically, uh, these three remain faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. And yeah. uh, I saw that popped up on my Facebook feed the other day, and I thought, I wonder how many people don't know where faith, hope, and love come from. They think this is really great, not realizing. 1 Corinthians 13, I think it's verse 13, this idea of, of this, this beautiful love that Paul holds up, this, this true love. And he talks about uh, this reflection that we see in a mirror. Hmm. And we reflect God, but not the way that Jesus does, because Jesus was also fully God. So if we want a better understanding, we look at Christ. He is that full expression. I love how you put it. We're not all knowing. We're not all powerful. And yet, we are created in the image of God. So there's hints of who God is in us. And, and we, we participate as his children because we are that creation that he breathed into. 
And the reason the image is such an important question even is, as we ask, what did Jesus do when he died for our sins? Mm. Why does that matter? Why did he have to die? Why did he, why did he have to do something so extreme? Because the image of God is that extreme. It's that important to what we are. Yeah, that's good. So we, we, we're talking a little bit about the substantive view, which, again, yeah. I like to kind of propose, we'd call it as the image of God in our attributes. Uh, and then there's yeah. the relational view, which I would say is, you know, the image of God in our associations, just for the very <laughs> Christian sense of alliteration, because we like to have alliteration in those things. I'm particularly <laughs> guilty for that. But yeah, what, what's the relational view or, or, you know, the image of God in our associations? It, it's the what you get is you get guys who will point out that we can have a relationship with God, that God wants a relationship with us. Our relationship with God is totally unique. In Genesis, uh, the first couple of chapters, Adam and Eve, when God creates them and they're decreed in the image of God, he created them male and female. Then we find that God is walking in the Garden of Eden and he's going there to go for evening walks with Adam and Eve. And he spends time with them and he talks to them. He doesn't do that with anything else in creation. And when God created Eve as a helpmate for Adam and brought the two together and put them in this special relationship together, again, the argument is that that's the reflection of the image of God, that God is a relational God. He wants to know us. He loves us. He cares for us. Uh, that he, he thinks in relationship, that he connects with us in relationship, and that we've been created with this capacity to be in relationship with each other and with him that's different from all the other animals. And they'll say things like, well, you know, my dog, I have a wonderful relationship with my dog. I used to have a pet dog. Now I have pet tarantulas. I don't have much of a relationship with my tarantulas. They're not. Are really they not dead yet? Ugly. I hope they would be dead by now. No, no, they're, they're this big. Just like if you're listening to your face. Yeah. And I have a big face. And so it just gives you an idea. You don't like my trip. Anyway, you know, my, we look at the example of pets and our cats excited to see us, our dogs excited to see us, but there's still a very marked difference in our relationship as humans with each other and with God than what we see with the animals. And so they will talk specifically about it's our capacity and our need for relationship that mirrors God as a relational God. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, and so I, I've also read about Karl Barth, Bart, 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 but think Bart. of Karl Barth. It's spelled Barth. It's pronounced Barth. <laughs> yeah. It's German. I never know how to say it, but he sees the image of God as specifically in the, uh, our being created as male and, fe- and female. And that's a, a really helpful insight, not necessarily an answer, but an insight because mm-hmm. there is something special about how there's father, son, Holy spirit, three in one, perfect yeah. unity but separate but together and the same as you know when man and women mm-hmm. or man and women get married they are one they become one but they're separate there's a there's something godlike in that right in in this in the sense of being separate but equal and together and apart you know what i mean no and yes <laughs> uh no because you know we talk about uh what it means to be married and what it means for the two to come together and be one. And I've been married 20, almost 25 years. I still don't get it. I still don't understand it, but you're absolutely right. And it does. My understanding of God was challenged two significant times. One 
getting married and moving in with my wife and moving into a marriage relationship with her kind of gave me a little bit more of an insight to exactly what you're talking about. This idea of uh, uh, that somehow marriage kind of gives me a little bit better sense of how Jesus loves me and, and cares for me and that I need something more. I'm not enough by myself. And, and God's given, given me the gift of my wife. And the irony is her name actually means gift of God. <laughs> and I'm a gift to her. And somehow together, uh, God uses us even more than if we were just individuals. And it kind of gives me a little bit of a clue of, or a little better insight into the idea that the Holy Spirit dwells in me. Uh, and we work together. The other place, too, even was becoming a dad. And I know you just recently became a father. I love seeing the Facebook photos of, of the three of you now. And that even gave me a little bit more of that glimpse of how our relationships as father, as husband, kind of gives us a little bit of an insight into our relationship with God and maybe even a little insight into what does it mean for God to be God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And they're, they're imperfect examples, but they still give little clues. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's, it's an insight rather than an answer, isn't it, I think? Um, absolutely and that's all it is yeah insights so 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 far we've talked about the substantive or the association you know uh sorry the attribute mm-hmm. i should say uh so there's something in our attributes, attributes yeah. whether it's it's physical or not <laughs> not physical <laughs> i can't think of the other word to phys- use. <laughs> but, but it, it's something in the way that we're made yes and then there's the relational view which is uh, our relationship with god but also potentially our relationship with others we could display the uh, relationship with God or our associations. I mean, our image of God or our associations, I should say. And finally, there's the the functional view, which you didn't call the functional view when we uh, had our had our lecture. You called it the dominion view. So maybe you could talk a bit about that and why there's a difference. And let's not go too deep, but just kind of. Yeah. It's like anything else in theology. If you put three theologians in a room, you're going to have four different opinions and five different ways of saying the same thing. Because uh, we're, we're bad for arguing and debating and and and, and fighting over stuff and friendly fighting. I mean, it's as I said uh, among the staff that I've worked with, we haven't agreed on this image. What is the image of God? We're still friends. We still like each other. We still work together. Uh, you uh, you followed Grudem, and Grudem tends to focus more on the actions of what we do. In some of the other systematic theologies, uh, for example, there's a, another guy named Erickson who's been quite influential. Again, he was kind of one of those standard theology texts. His main books, I'm looking at it on my shelf, it's about 1,500 pages. You can use it for, you know, if, if you need to like hold doors open to that kind of Jesse, thing. Jesse, no, I use um, Wayne Gruden's systematic theology as a footrest. So literally, I, I do <laughs> right now. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, it was, oh. I've just picked it up from the floor where my feet were uh, to to just awesome. kind of emphasize what Joran is saying. They're, they're huge. Uh, I still remember the first time I read Erickson. I thought it was the hardest thing I'd ever read. He uses he focuses on dominion. This view, this this third view, really focuses that the image of God is what we do, hmm. and it can be what we do in our ability to create buildings. And if we think that in Genesis one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he, 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 he's this craftsman God who builds this beautiful, incredible creation. 
And I've been all over, mostly Canada. I haven't really been out of Canada much, a little bit in the States. I've been blessed. I'm a cyclist and I've gotten to ride in some really cool places in the mountains. And you see the grandeur of the mountains and I come to the prairies and I love the prairies. And, and the, I just, I've learned to appreciate the beauty of the wheat in, in the fields and the wide open and the, the expansive sky that I can't even express. I was in uh, Nova Scotia years ago and had the chance to go to Peggy's Cove, which is still one of the most awe-inspiring places I've ever been. I thought, it's rocks and water. How awesome is this going to possibly be? My parents have raved about it. And standing on the cliffs and seeing the Atlantic Ocean coming in and seeing these sheer rock cliffs and being reminded of how small I am and how big God is was just, it, it, it was a life-changing experience. And this third view really kind of connects to this idea that as God created all of this incredible stuff, we have the ability to build stuff. Mm. We have the ability to create stuff. I, I'm living in a city for the first time in almost 25 years. I haven't lived in a town with a stoplight since 1997. <laughs> and now I live like McDonald's is across the street from my condo and there's a fire station up the street. So I hear the fire siren all the time and I'm watching buildings going up. And here, Dave, you and I are sitting, we're talking again. Uh, and we haven't really connected the last few years with you in England. Now that you're back in Red Deer, it's awesome. But we're on technology and we're talking over computers. Mm. And uh, you consider 20 years ago, this would never have happened. Now it's routine. So there's that idea that we can build. Uh, Erickson really keys on the idea that we have authority over creation. That the command that was given in Genesis when God created them was, go out, name the animals and take care of the world. And so some emphasize our ability to create and some emphasize that we are called to rule the world. And, and care for it and look after it. Mm. Yeah. So you're referring to Genesis 1, Genesis 2, kind of Genesis yeah. 3 as well. It's like, just so if you're interested in reading that and looking at that for yourself, that's mm -hmm. what we're, we're referring to there. It's, it's really foundational in our understanding of, of the image of God. So, so what, we're, what we've established is that we can see God in our, you know, our attributes, our associations and in our actions. That's kind of what we're, we're leaning mm -hmm. towards here in this, this functional dominion view. There's, again, there's differences, there's challenges. Which one would we lean towards? Well, it's complicated because as you, as you've heard, obviously we're displaying the image of God in, in all of those different areas mm -hmm. to a certain extent. It's very hard for us to say, this is definitively how we display the image of God, because the truth is we just don't no. Unless you know, Jorian, do you have an answer? Nope. Yeah. Great. <laughs> it, it's my class. It's, I mean, you sat through three years of classes with me. This is the classic. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, th I think we actually probably want to, if we could understand it, if we needed to know specifically what it was, God would have told us. Yeah. And I think that that's really profound. And the fact that we look at actions and attributes and what was the third category you, uh, for the relational view you used? Uh, associations. Associations, actions, and attributes. I think because the Bible doesn't tell us specifically one of the three, I tend to like to live in, it's probably a bit of a mix of all three. Yeah. And then when we think about what the cross does, when Jesus died for our sins on the cross, 
He died for my physical body. I get a new body and I get to spend eternity. Uh, He died so I can have a relationship with him in eternity. And actually, I was reading a guy, probably the hardest book I've ever read uh, by a philosopher out of the States, arguing that uh, Christian faith is compatible with science. And he got me thinking that we're not going to stop creating in eternity, that we're still going to do research. We're still going to invent things Mm. because... God, as the creator, God has given it to us. And if that's true, what we wind up with is that Jesus in the cross gives us back all three of those things you're talking about. Yeah. Our associations, our actions, and our attributes, and heals us from the damage of sin. Mm. So that's a, I don't know. that's a really great insight. I don't remember you saying that before, but that's it, that's I'm glad you said it again, because that's awesome. And it's definitely a real interesting thought that we might go on creating our, you know, in the, in the next life. It's very cool. I, I don't know what to do with it because I'm reading in this book and afterwards it, it, it just kind of brought me to a standstill. Cause I, I kind of had pictured eternity as me at the throne of Jesus and I, I'm negotiating with God. I want to play guitar in eternity. <laughs> uh because I'm not really a big one for raising my hands or clapping in worship, and I don't really sing all that well. Uh, so I, I love playing guitar, and I've I, I loved the bands I play. I mean, you and I toured together a couple of years there with me playing guitar. I make no claims to being any good, but it's just I always kind of thought that we'd be you know, at the throne of Jesus singing love songs to him. And this guy got me thinking about eternity in a whole new way. Interesting. That it's my view was too small. <sighs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's a huge existential thought, I guess, that we're kind of moving away to like, oh, I wonder. Oh, but we're, yeah, whole new ground. Yeah. So let's, let's kind of bring it back. So we've talked a little bit about the view of the image of God. We've, we recognize that we are made in the image of God. Um, there's the fall happened. So, you know, there's imperfection there. Yep. We have to recognize that Jesus is, Jesus is ultimately the exact representation of the image of God. That's uh, what it says in Colossians. And then we've talked about how we can display God in uh, the image of God in a number of different ways in our attributes, our associations and our actions. And we've said, hang on, we just don't know how much of each one. So the question is, what does this mean for us on a daily basis? Like, what are we supposed to do with this information? Well, if we're going to reflect the image of God, And if we understand that Jesus in dying for our sins on the cross wasn't just for our sins, that's a piece of it, but the cross is bigger, that he undoes the curse of sin and fully restores the image of God as was already and always intended. What I need to practically do with this is it means for my attributes, my physical well-being, my, my intellect, all of that, I actually need to take care of myself. If I'm creating the image of God, I need to take care of this body. And actually, I think it's First Corinthians 4. Paul talks about, uh, don't you know that you're the temple mm. of God? And he talks about the Holy Spirit lives in us. And so I actually need to take care of the attribute side. And if Jesus is restoring me, associations matter. The relationships I have with God, with Jesus, and with other people is absolutely important because 
in the image of God, if I'm going back to what God always intended, I have to live in right relationships. Mm-hmm. And I say stupid things. I do stupid things. Uh, unfortunately, Dave, you probably have more stories than many do <laughs> about uh, some of the, I remember the time when this, uh, you know, sat in class for three years together. But we need to guard those associations and, and live at peace with one another and care for one another. And in our actions, if part of the image of God is that we're called to uh, have command over the earth and create all of that, am I doing a good job of looking after what God has given me in this world to look after? Mm -hmm. I'm not really an environmentalist, but actually this image of God has really challenged me that I need to be careful how I even treat the environment. Not because the environment is equal to me as a human. But because I'm going to answer to God for what I did with the world he entrusted yeah, to me. Exactly. Yeah. And so all three of these kind of clash together in, in practical daily life that I've got to watch how I how I live matters. Yeah, absolutely. And it also changes, you know, not our not just our immediate relationships, but it changes how we treat people in general, mm-hmm. doesn't it? You know, because when we say that Completely. humans are made in the image of God, we're not just talking about white western men (laughs) we're talking about men women of all races and ethnicities and backgrounds and Mm -hmm. social statuses and uh financial Mm -hmm. statuses you know we talk we're talking about all all humanity which changes how we respond how we treat people uh that's a huge huge deal you know when we walk past that homeless guy in the street and we choose to kind of divert our eyes and not make eye contact we've got to remember that we're looking at someone who was made in the image of God, or if you know, you're talking about people with mm-hmm. maybe uh, some learning or physical challenges that uh, you know often have historically been treated in a way that is uh, worse than those who are more able that way. Well, we've got to look at them and, and say, "Hang on, no, you're made in the image of God. You're not. Uh, you're not any less. You are just as much made in the image of God." Which again questions all those different views is it in attributes or associations or actions again you suddenly start asking more questions when you look at the fact that we are all equally made in the image of god and then you balance whether you're a believer or not a believer you're still made in the image of god which is a wonderful and weird and challenging and fantastic thing right exactly and actually i mean you've taken us down another direction if we understand the image of God for what it is, we immediately have to have a very hard conversation about how spiritually inappropriate racism is. Mm-hmm. Because the image of God removes our ability to have racism. Because male and female, he created them in the image of God. So we're all image bearers, and we all spin off the same man and woman. And it creates exactly what you're talking about, this level of equality, not just for someone who looks like me, but for especially those who don't look like me, because the diversity we see in how we look is a reflection of God and the fact that the image of God is contained in all of us. Mm. And so, as you know, we live in a world that's really challenged right now with this, and, and there's trials going on in different places. And, I was watching the news. We've had some incidents here in Saskatoon and really been convicted against racism is actually a theological lie that we've laid hold of because we've not understood that God created all of us in his image 
and saved all of us. Mm-hmm. So it, it tears down walls and barriers yeah. in, a, in a way that nothing else does. Yeah. Well, let's, let's finish there. I mean, as, as we've, yeah. we've kind of summarized already, but let's, let's just emphasize that the image of God is a really important thing for some of the reasons that we've talked about. And yet it's something that is a very gray area in the sense that we know the image of God matters. We don't know exactly how, because you know what? God sometimes allows there to be mysteries, but what we can do is study and get to know Jesus, uh, build that relationship with him, understand his Bible, understand the word more. Um, That's a good thing. We can strive for those things and recognize, yeah, that that there are important implications for all of this. So Jorin, thank you so much for your time. Mm-hmm. It's, it's great. It's a great excuse to catch up. Oh, so good to see you. Uh, fun fact, the last time Jorin and I caught up, he was in BC, British Columbia, and I was in the UK mm-hmm. in, uh, just sat in the car park outside Royal Holloway University. So if you're listening, that's exactly that's where right. I was. Uh, it was the evening. I was on my way back from dropping off some students there. Uh, but it's cool. It's good to catch up. But um If you've enjoyed this podcast, thank you so much. We'd love it if you would uh, rate it or subscribe or find us on YouTube. If you're not watching on YouTube already, Um, share it with people. Let people know that we're we're talking about these things, things that matter. Uh, We think these are really important topics to be discussing. Uh, If you would love to support us and help us cover some of the the costs that we are incurring in running this podcast, feel free to go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash simple faith pod. There's buymeacoffee.com forward slash simple faith pod, where you can buy us a digital uh, cup of coffee or a digital cup of tea, whatever takes your fancy. I'm a tea drinker. I think Joran is a coffee drinker, but whatever you're doing, have a wonderful day. We will speak to you very soon. Bye. Bye.